looking forward to being involved in that. Even with prayer, you know, and getting behind it and just supporting it. And even maybe you're not involved physically on the ground on those days. Uh, you can still be behind it, still be part of it. Still get excited about it. Do you believe that? God is good. Just um, just hold your hand out like this. Maybe just no need to be high, just out and just say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. It's cool you've said that and you've done that. You need to believe by faith. The Holy Spirit is here. He's wanted to minister to you. He's powerful. So good to be in church this morning. So good that you came to church. Anybody come here? For, anybody here this morning for the first time? Never been to Life Church before? Anybody in here for the first time? So, so good to see you. Thanks ever so much for coming. We appreciate it. Anybody else? That's half of, half of you. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. We believe in the power of God. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we believe in the power of healing. We believe in the power of salvation. God is so good. He wants to minister to us this morning. Now, what I say this morning, you know, you should go from here today having felt, well, that helped me. Yeah. You know, just by what has been ministered already this morning, you should be able to go and say, well, that helped me. I'm helped. Yeah. One of the things the Holy Spirit was set off to do when he came was to be a helper. Yeah. And he wants to help you this morning. Anybody, anybody ever been wounded? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but a lot of people stay wounded. And it restricts us being and doing who God has called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. And, and if you've ever been wounded, and I believe probably that's most people, and a lot of people still live with wounds. You're going to get help this morning. Amen? You're going to get help. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe it's powerful. And we believe you want to speak it to us directly this morning. So, Father, we open our hearts to you. And we set our mind to receive from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we say we set our mind to receive, but in actual fact, we've already set our mind in what we're going to believe. But God wants to minister to us, and He wants to, I believe, God, every time we, we're, we're, we have that opportunity, we should be able to receive something fresh from God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. So, what has that got to do with um, being wounded? Well, I'm going to get there in just a little while. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're in this season of, we guess, let's call it Pentecost. We don't have to just speak about the Holy Spirit when it's Pentecost season. Um, because Pentecost is, is now, is always. And the Holy Spirit wants to work always with you and in you and through you. It'll be very much part of, your, part of your life. Let's read from John chapter 20 and verse 20. Those two verses, 20 and 22. Uh, and it is after his resurrection, Jesus says, and when he has said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. So 
as, as he sent Jesus, and what did he send Jesus for? To bring healing, to bring salvation, to bring the life of God, to bring the kingdom into the, into the, into the, into the world. As he sent me, I am sending you. So it's a part of his commissioning to the body of Christ. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. It's not just any breath. This is just, you know, you say, well, you're in a room and someone breathes and you, and you sense, a, you know, a bit of a huff or whatever. <laughs> you sense a bit of a movement of the air. This is, this is the God of heaven. This is Jesus Christ breathing the life of God, the power of God, the life of Christ, the life of the creator of the universe, that same life which was breathed into Adam when he was in the Garden of Eden and, and he was this form and, and God breathed his life into Adam. This is the same life being breathed into the disciples and that same life which has been breathed into us if you're a believer. You know, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Okay? And those disciples, they, they, they chose to receive that life. They chose to intake that breath. And I believe, you know, we can either choose to, it's available to us, we can either choose to intake it or we can choose to put a wall up so that we don't receive everything that God has for us. And every believer has the power to minister the kingdom of God. Every believer, every person who is born of the Spirit of God has the power, has the potential to breathe and to minister the life of God because we have the life of God within us. We're a, new we're a new creation. Old has passed away, the Bible says. All things have become new. We're a new person. We're not who we used to be. We have the life of God. We have the breath of God within us. So the power of God is within us. So we don't need this season to talk about the Holy Spirit in a sense because we should be talking about the Holy Spirit altogether, you know, all the time, and of course more. So the Holy Spirit should be very much a part of our daily life. And I'm not talking right now about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God is in each and every believer. Amen? That's helped somebody already this morning. Amen? And you, but you see, we can never do our life as kingdom people without the Spirit of God. Well, I love Jesus, and I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't do that Holy Spirit stuff. Well, you know, get over yourself. <laughs> because you're, it's part and parcel of who we are. To be recipients of and to ministers of the Spirit of God. So, Jesus breathes this into them at this period in time when he's just resurrected. He hasn't yet ascended. Well, I can imagine these early disciples being concerned when Jesus would talk to them about leaving them. Can you imagine that? He's been talking to them over the period of time about leaving. And can you imagine their concern? Can you imagine what they were going through? The Bible says in that pit, that time, in John chapter 20, they are hidden away in secret for the Jews because they feel like they were the next target. But they recognize the need to come together and to consolidate, in a sense, who they were and be who they were called to be. You can't do life alone. You know, we need, we need each other. So they recognize the importance of coming together. It may not have been convenient for them, but they came together. They were hidden and the doors were closed. Jesus turns up there in, in amongst them and starts speaking to them and ministering to them. 
because there must have been this sense in them. These are ordinary people. We have to read in the, we get to read in the Bible, you know, that which was written about these events. They were there doing it. They couldn't tweet each other. They couldn't, you know, check out on Facebook what was going on. They were, they were just there writing amongst it. Just, it was a, they were living this out day to day, day by day, fresh experience, fresh experience, fresh experience. And they'd be concerned and talking about what was going to happen when, they were, when he was leaving. How was this going to happen? How were they going to cope? What was going to, what was it, how was this all going to work out? And they were on this roller coaster ride of excitement, I believe, and learning kingdom living. And Jesus, who they become dependent on, was, was apparently going to depart from them. You imagine the turmoil of what they must have been in. And they needed some assurance that things were going to be okay. And of course, Jesus had already spoken to them about them continuing what he had begun and even doing greater things. So there was this turmoil of thoughts and stuff going on in them. You know, how is this going to work out? How are we going to be able to achieve this? He's talking about us doing greater things than these, but he wasn't even going to be here. But Jesus, over the period of time up to that, he'd started to talk to them about how he was going to be leaving them and that they were not going to be left alone. So he was trying to convince them and just speak into their lives, speak into their spirit, and just encourage them in the fact they were not going to be left alone when he'd gone. What was this he was talking about? What, were they going to, what, was, what was going to happen? In John chapter 16, and verse 5 and through to 11, it says, Now, now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So he's saying, you know, the helper's coming, but he's not going to come if I, if I don't go away. So I've got to go away. That which is greater than that which is going to empower you to be who I've called you to be, to equip you to do the greater things is coming, but I've got to go for him to come. So it's an advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So he said, I'm going to send you the helper. And he's spoken about that before. He said, I'm going to send you the helper. He, the helper is going to come. The Holy Spirit who is the helper that you'll need some help. Because you're never going to be able to do what I've called you to do on your own. That's why we need faith to believe. You know, that he, he, we, we need the power of God in our life. You know, sometimes we can get through life, and particularly in the 21st century, there's a lot of things that we can do, the world can do, where we say, well, we don't really need church. We don't really need God. We don't really need this, this prop of Jesus. We don't really need the Holy Spirit. And many Christians, you know, we can do church without the Holy Spirit. And a lot of churches will do church without the Holy Spirit. Now, we all, we've, already, we've already got programmed what we want to do, how we're going to do it, what we believe, uh, and we're going to administer that, and we're going to make that, make that happen. Uh, we're going to do church, and we can do it without the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit shows up, well, then that's a bit of a problem. Because we, you know, we don't like the things being different to how, what we're expecting. 
We're not really open to it. And a lot of the, lot of the body of Christ isn't open to a move of God. Because a move of God would shake us too much. A move of God would, would, would challenge us too much. A move of God would cause us to uh, just be so fearful and so mess up our life. And our retirement plan. All those things we want to do. <laughs> and so we, we're, we are, in many senses, we're close to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be open to that. Since I'm sending you a helper. In what he has for us to do, we need the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. He says, greater things than these you will do because I go to my Father. And I'm sending you the Father, the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you who will equip you, will empower you to do everything which I've called you to do and some. Amen. Amen. So what... what... (laughs) So that which Jesus has spoken, we get, they get to this point where that which Jesus has spoken had happened and they'd watched him disappear. How they must have been freaked out. Can you imagine that he's telling them what's going to happen, but how in the world can this Jesus who we can touch, who we can feel, uh, how in the world is he, he, is he going to go and be with the Father? And then, and then on the day of ascension, they just see him go. One minute he's with them, the next minute he's gone. And he ain't coming back yet. Until those he's left have done what he's called us to do. He's gone. Can you imagine what it must have been like for them? What would you feel if you're one of those disciples? Maybe put yourself in their shoes. If you were to watch one of your closest friends that you'd, you, that you'd admired, you'd spent time with, just disappear into the sky. Can you imagine what you were going through? These, these were just ordinary people, human beings, just ordinary people like you and I, just doing regular stuff. They'd been with Jesus for three and a half years. They'd spent some time there. Their faith had been built. He believed he got them to a place where they were ready for him to, to lead them and to empower them and equip them to do what he called them to do. But he's gone. <laughs> but rather than dispersing and going back to what they had been doing, which is what a lot of people would do. Maybe we just slip back to what is what we're familiar with. You know, when, you, when someone has a trauma, when someone has a crisis in their life, when something changes outside of their normal comfort zone, we tend to slip back into what we've, to what we've known before, what we're comfortable with. If you couldn't find anything to wear this morning before you came to church, you just slip back into what you wore last week. Hello. Hello. We just slip back into what is comfortable. When you're thinking, you know, what are we going to eat for dinner this week? You know, what are the meals we're going to have? You know, you, you, try and be, you try and be creative and you try and, you know, you're watching this program. You see something in that magazine. You think, well, that, you see something, someone eating else, someone else's meal they Facebooked for you. And they, well, is that we do that. But, and you oh, no, forget it. Let's just go back to what we know. <laughs> Amen? You hear what I'm saying? 
We slip back to what we know. We slip back to what we're comfortable with. We slip, slip back to that, that tradition or whatever it is. But instead of doing that, they gathered and they waited and they were being totally obedient to Jesus. Totally obedient to him. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 through 5 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they, they were, this was ringing in their ears, if like said, and they were gathering because of their fearful of what was going on around, but they were just sticking strong and tight to the words of Jesus. You know, when you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a struggle, you know, when you've got things going on in your life, hold tight to the Word of God. Hold tight to what you know. Hold tight to the voice of the Father. And so they hold held tight to that, and they gathered. And we know that they gathered in Jerusalem. They stayed in that place, and they gathered with those other, other, other disciples, those other believers who were, who were committed to, and, and had got revelation and understanding that he was Christ, the Son of the living God, and had heard the talk of him leaving, and had heard the talk of him sending the Holy Spirit. And they gathered in Jerusalem. They were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues. A lot of criticism comes, what are they, what's going on here? And I heard somebody t- t- talking on the, on, the, on the radio this week about you know, trying, to, trying, trying to, you know, figure this out and bring it in line with, and get Brexit into the whole deal as well with Pentecost and speaking in tongues. I don't know quite how they got that. The you know, Holy Ghost is speaking to me something different about <laughs> the politics of, of, of speaking in tongues and speaking different languages and all that. You know, dear, how do they ever get that? And, and, and this, this is going out on national radio. Uh, and, and, and Peter had to stand up out there at Pentecost, and he says, these men aren't drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. On the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Young men shall prophesy, old men shall dream dreams. And it was, a, it was, it was the fulfillment of what God has spoken. And they waited there. So the, the, these were believers... Who were, who were filled with the breath of heaven, and they were making these choices. They could have carried on just doing good works. And many times we, we, we're happy with that, just doing good works. The church is happy. That's what the world sometimes thinks the church is there for, just to do good works. Pick up where other things, you know, can't, can't do things and just provide crutches for people. You know, they, no, they, they, you know, they, they could have just carried on doing good works, but that wasn't their destiny. Jesus said, greater things than these you will do. Greater things than these you will do. But this, this was a bunch of people who had every reason to feel like they were wounded, have every, every reason to feel that like they were hurting, had every reason to feel they'd had something going on in their life which caused them and gave them a reason why they couldn't do what they were called to do. They'd been left alone. They'd been deserted. They'd been forgotten. They've been led this journey, led this story of this Savior coming into the world and that Jesus was a good guy. He'd seen people, he'd seen people healed, but now he's gone. And they were hurting. Sometimes we think these disciples were the whoopie-doos of the day, but they were just ordinary people who'd gone through trauma, who'd gone through tragedy, if you like, seen their, seen their Savior killed. They, they deserted him, some of them. They just walked away and they, they, they come back. What a turmoil they must have been going through. And this is a bunch of just like wounded people who were just desperate to do, just for things to be different. But how do they pick up the pieces? 
living with all this stuff going on. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the helper. But we, you know what? <laughs> How long have we got to wait? We've been struggling. We're hurting. You know, you wounded us, Jesus. You know, we weren't expecting you to treat us this way. And you left us. The last thing we saw was you shooting through the sky. Woo, you're gone. And it just left us. We're just left here. Let's go back to one of the parables that Jesus spoke. Now, the parables Jesus spoke to, for, for, to, to bring across a point, to declare a truth, and, so, and, we take, we, we, and we just really hang around one particular part of that parable, and the world can take on part of that and use it. I've heard this parable referred to out, totally outside of, the, of a church setting, outside of a Christian setting, and that's the one of the Good Samaritan. How many of you know the story of the Good Samaritan? That's three of you. The rest of you are lying. Come on, how many of you know the story of the Good Samaritan? You've heard of the story of the Good Samaritan. Come on, unfold those, charis those, those charismatic arms. You know, raise one in the arm. <laughs> how many of you heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Right, thank you. Dear. <laughs> right, now we, we, can, we can get going. Then Jesus answered and said, this is the disciples, well, not the disciples, this is some religious people asking about who is the neighbor. Because Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he's talking about being neighborly. And who, they asked, who is, the, who, is his, who is the neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he was, I was going to say he was moved, but he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day he departed, but he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And I pull in that first verse there, it says, And he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, and left him half dead. How many of you can relate to that sort of scenario? <laughs> anybody towards the back say, yeah. <laughs> Come on, anybody in the middle say, yeah. <laughs> he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Church, we can't achieve very much of our purpose if we are half dead. Amen? We can't achieve much of what God has for us if we are half dead. And yet a lot of the time, we're trying to do things because we find ourselves, we've had situations in our lives where, we, where thieves have come, they stripped, of us, stripped, of, stripped us of our clothing, or stripped us of something, and they've wounded us, and they've wounded us, and left us, when you're wounded, it's like you're left half the, because when you're wounded, you can't achieve what you're, what you're meant to achieve. 
When we're wounded, we tend to go to the doctor, we go to the hospital, we try to get ourselves patched up. But it, but it is more than being wounded physically. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ who have been wounded emotionally, who have been, been wounded internally, who have been wounded mentally, who are, who are, and are still living with those wounds. Hello? And when you're living with wounds, you may as well be living half dead because we, you can't achieve what you're being called to achieve. You know, he, he may have been left with scars, but he didn't stay wounded. And I'll tell you, many of us, we got scars of things. But scars are just, are just a demonstration of something which has been healed. The scar isn't the wound. The, the scar is like, if you like, a reflection of the wound. A scar is a, is a, is a manifestation of the wound. A scar is something which is, which is there, but the scar is there. And I've got scars, you know, I I've, I've grew up outside. So I've got scars all over my, all over my body. <laughs> They're just scratches and wounds. The things with wounds, you know, rips here, rips there. You know, fingers like almost off and all sorts of stuff. You know, but, they, but they're, just, they're just like a test. I've got a, a, a thing on my finger here where I tried to take a coffee jar out of a thing one, one, one Saturday night and, and, and it tried to take my finger off at the same time. So I had to, you know, drive to the hospital before, before Stephanie could drive, but she could steer the car. <laughs> and we got to the hospital. <laughs> take a right here, you know. Well, I, I haven't got any hands to work, but... Uh, and but you know that it got it, that wound got healed, yeah. but it did leave a scar. So I can look at the scar and I think, okay, that is there was a, there was a, there was I was wounded there, but that has been healed. It doesn't affect me anymore. But thank God for the you know, the work of the seamstress or whatever that does the <laughs> that fixes you up. <laughs> and do you want to say how many got scars? Yeah. How many got lots of scars? Yeah. But their testimony, I'm not, no, no. how many of you got, how many got emotional scars? Yeah. Things that you can remember, but they're not affecting you anymore. They, you know, they're not controlling you. They're not keeping you. They're not holding you. They're not delaying you. They're just something which is just scars. You know, you could really sort of thought, sometimes you don't even think about it. But if you have a think about it sometime, and that can be a great testimony. It can be a testimony that can minister to somebody else who's got a wound that can bring, can bring healing. So there's a whole other body of Christ. Say, but, you know, we, sometimes we do not achieve what we're caused to achieve because we're living with wounds. And this man had an, ex- this man had an experience that had left him wounded. And the, and the word wounded in this context, if you go back in the Greek, is the same word that is used for calamity, right. for trauma, right. for being beaten. It covers a whole lot of things, but particularly things like calamity. See, you, people can have something which is it's not a physical wound, but you could have faced a trauma in your life, which was a trauma which was very real and wounded you because it brings a wound of a trauma or a wound, wound, a wound of some sort of calamity that takes place. And they can come in all sorts of ways. And they can hold you and they can stick you, they can keep you there. And some people live around those, those wounds will define them. And they live being defined by, oh, do you know the person, that, oh, he is the person who got the crooked nose or whatever. 
And they define us. And that's, that's just being silly. But, you know, you got, there's some things which take place in our life that can define us. Very real things. People who get divorced. You know, that, well, they're the divorced one. No, they're not the divorced one. That was something which took place in their life. It could have caused a calamity. It was a calamity. It was a trauma at the time. It can be, it can be wounding. It can be terrible. It can be, you know, distressful. It can be something which could take you out, but doesn't have to. It can leave a scar, but it doesn't leave you wounded. Doesn't have to define you. Have you ever been around people and they tell you something about their life, which is a scar, and you think to yourself, man, I love, I would never have thought that person had gone through that, faced that trauma, faced that crisis, gone through that pain, gone through that hurting, suffered all those wounds, suffered all that traumatic stuff going on in their life. How in the world could that person, be? And, 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 and they just tell you a little bit about it. It's just like a passing comment, and it's just like a scar to them. And to somebody else, they'd be living it out for the full of, again, they're sucking every little bit of sympathy out of it for the rest of their life. Hello? It's like it's defined them. Oh, not that story again. <laughs> not that old chestnut. Man, have you not got over that yet? Do you hear what I'm saying? Have I got your attention? Have you got it? Are you, are you with me this morning? Are you with me? So this, this wounding which he had, you know, it didn't, he didn't have to stay wounded, but he may have had some scars. See, some passed him by who may have had sympathy for him, but had no compassion. And so the sympathetic walked by and said, well, that's a bit of a shame. Okay, that's fine. You know, you know that's just who they are. I'm sure they're going to take, get taken care of. And people who should have known better. People who should have known better. It's amazing how people who should have known better will allow you to stay where you are. Hello? Tight, but it's right. In the words of Joyce Meyer. Tight, but it's right. People who should have known better are happy for you to stay where you are. Sometimes people want you to stay where you are because it makes them look good. It's almost like we don't want them to get beyond us. Well, the Samaritan, of course, comes, comes along. And he has compassion. How many of Jesus had compassion? Bible says he was moved with compassion and he healed all their sick. When Jesus was moved with compassion, it led to him being demonstrating the healing power of God. When he was moved with compassion because the people, it says, were weary without a shepherd. And he says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, he would send laborers into the harvest field. Doesn't say he went and healed them. But he did equip the church. Because the next verse, the first verse in the next chapter says, and he drew them to himself, and he gave them authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick. So he equips where he's, he's, Jesus has compassion, and his compassion equips the body of Christ. He gives us everything we need to equip the body of Christ, to, to, to be equipped to, who, to be who he's called us to be. And so Jesus healed the sick and he mobilized the church. Because, you see, the church needs the power. 
and wounds deny you of the power because they will keep you where you are. They will keep you restricted. They will keep you in the gutter. They will keep you in that place which says, and among, he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, who wounded him, departed, and left, left him for half dead. You know, wounds will leave you half dead. Wounds will leave you restricted. The body of Christ, you know, doesn't need to be filled with wounds. Doesn't need to have, have, this, have wounds all over the place. See, church, your wounds can be healed. Your wounds can be healed. Your wounds can be healed. And I believe there's people in the body of Christ. You know, you know we, we have been in situations where we've been wounded. But they didn't have, those wounds haven't defined us. Had every opportunity uh, to, to live with wounds. But they haven't defined us. Because he sent the helper. He sent the helper. See, what he has for you to do, what he has for me to do, is impossible for me to do without him. And so we need help. We need help to overcome our wounds. We need help to heal our wounds. We need help. We need the ministering power of God and the Holy Spirit to minister into the wounds of our life, to heal us, to set us free from what we've been contained to be and, and, and allowed to be who we're called to be. And it leaves some scars, but those scars aren't those that which defines us. You don't have to struggle wounded because there's a helper. And the helper came along in the form of the Good Samaritan. And you all know about this Good Samaritan. Because you raised your hands and said you did. But what did that Good Samaritan do? Look at what he did. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And see, that compassion moved him to do something. And so he went to him, he bandaged his wounds. He looked at those wounds and he ministered to those wounds. He found those wounds. And he looked at them and he saw them and he saw how desperate they were. He saw the hurt they were causing. He saw the damage they were causing to this particular man who was restricting him and leaving him half dead. He deals with them and he brings his wisdom to them. He brings his understanding to them. He brings his, his revelation to them. He brings his compassion to them. He brings his healing to them. He brings his ability to them. He brings his hand of help to them. Teddy bandages his wounds. What's the next verse say or the next line say? Pouring oil and wine. Pouring oil and wine. Pouring oil and wine. Notice the person next to you, pouring oil and wine. What does oil and wine speak of in the Bible? What does oil and wine speak of in the Word of God? What does oil and wine speak of in the Word of God? It speaks of healing, but it speaks of the Holy Spirit. He pours on him, the, the Holy Spirit is poured out on this man. The power of God is poured out in the form of oil and wine. He ministers oil, which is healing. You know, wine, which is in a sense of, you know, kills all the bugs and all that sort of thing. Wine wasn't like wine is now. 
And he pours this soothing oil and he pours this healing wine onto these wounds and they begin to come well. And he, he, he sort of packages him up in this, in this package of stuff, puts him in the local, local establishment and says, you know, I'm having to go now, but, I, but please just take care. I'm going to pay for anything else. Just, but just keep pouring oil and wine. When he starts to remember those things, when that wound starts to get a bit, you know, gammy, and I've, I won't go there. You know, the wound gets a little bit funny. You know, just pour more oil and wine. We need to see this thing healed and healed and healed. And whatever, whatever the cost, pour on the oil and wine. Whatever it takes, pour on the oil of wine. And church, I believe there's people in here this morning who, 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 who you, you're restricted. You say, well, I don't really, never really see myself as being half dead. But you're living with wounds. There's things, you're, there's things you're not doing because of. And God wants to heal those things. By his stripes we are healed. When Jesus hung on the cross, you know, he, he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He did everything for us to live whole. The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it's the thief's purpose to come steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what these people have done to this man. They tried to rob him of his future, rob him of his destiny, kill him of his joy, and just take everything from him, strip him bare naked, and leave him there wounded so he cannot achieve what he's called on this planet to achieve. See, you didn't get saved just sit on your blessed assurance. And say, well, I can't this because of this and because of that and because of this. You know, you don't know what took place. You don't know what's happened to me, but Jesus does. That's why he sent his son. It's amazing that people have said to me over the years. Remember a long, long time ago, some, some people we had in the church, they wouldn't do very, they would do such, a, such little, you know, real, just low achieving. Couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Oh, it's because of our circumstances. Well, Jesus knows your circumstances. Jesus knows your situation. He knows your situation so well that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus said, the thief, thief has a purpose. He's out there to get you on your journey through life. He'll come and he'll overpower you. He'll rob you of your stuff. He'll strip you of your clothing. He'll leave you like you're half dead. He'll wound you. He'll hurt you. He'll cause pain to come upon you. But, you know, he, he'd love it if you stay in that situation and never achieve what I've called you, God's called you to achieve. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. And I've provided everything for you. And when you're struggling, when you're, when, you're, when you're really struggling there, when you're finding things so difficult, I even sent you a helper. Because I know you can't do this on your own. You need, I've even sent you the helper. And this guy comes along, this good Samaritan, he has compassion. And that's what we should have as believers, isn't it? Have the compassion. And Jesus had the compassion. And he poured on this oil and this wine. And I want to just stand on our feet this morning and, uh, I, because I believe we can receive better when we're standing on our feet. And I just want you to want you just, I, I really believe there's some people here this morning who are saying, well, I can't because of. You don't know my circumstances, but God does. You don't know my situation, but God does. And there's people on the inside of them.
So that nobody else knows what's going on on the inside of you. And you, you think, if anybody knew what I'm hurting, what's going on on the inside of you, if anybody knew how I was wounded, you know, they would just maybe reject me. They wouldn't like me the sort of person. They wouldn't like the sort of person I am. You're wounded on the inside. You're wounded on the inside. God wants to heal you. Now, God was, I believe God healed some people physically this morning. Of wounds which maybe we can see, it could be a limp, it could be an ulcer, it could be, you know, something we've been diagnosed with. But you haven't, you haven't got a diagnos, diagnosis for that wounding on the inside. That which somebody spoke to you, which just hurt you. That which somebody did to you, that rejection which you received just hit you and has left you wounded. It's left you wounded. It stopped you from trusting people. It stopped you from receiving something of the ministry of God into your life. Stopped you maybe doing something in the area of service and ministry. Well, I can't do that. And I feel I felt on the inside to do this and be, be this and go there and be a part of this and get involved in this area. But I really can't because I'm wounded on the inside. Maybe somebody told you you weren't good enough. Maybe you thought because of your background, you couldn't. You're living with that wound. It's very real. And you know, there's a, you know that God came into your life and gave you a new, new purpose and had a great plan for your life. But he wants to heal you totally this morning. To heal you totally, he wants to pour oil and wine onto that area in your life. Just as Jesus said, he promised, he said, I will send you the helper. That's what he wants to send to you this morning. We okay with this? You okay with this? Just every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't embarrass anybody at all. But if you're here this morning, you say, I can identify with that. Just raise your hand where you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, I can identify. I feel like I've been wounded. Be totally honest with yourself. Be totally honest. I see a few hands. I, I believe there's a few more hands. I 
I know there's a lot of scars around. I've seen them. But if you're here this morning, say, I, I, I can identify with being wounded. It came as a calamity in my life. It came as a trauma in my life that I'm not totally healed from. It's restricted me. Holy Spirit, just minister oil. Holy Spirit, minister to lives. If you're one of those wounded, just put your hands right in, just in front of you and just receive. If you're one of those that said, I've been wounded. Just receive. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Receive it. Receive His... Healing oil, receive his healing wine and be made well. And keep keep receiving it. Keep receiving it this morning. Let's just worship God for a few moments. presence is so strong in the house this morning.